Hello, and thank you, fearless listeners. Go you for pressing play today. Please like and subscribe as it helps us grow. Also, share with your friends as we have to keep talking about this shit. Now let's dive in. Gloria Steinem once said, We will never solve the feminization of power until we solve the masculinity of wealth. Barbara Provost and Maggie Nielsen are the team at Purse Strings that will help you navigate the ins and outs of financial independence so that you can be financially fearless. This is Women in Money, the shit we don't talk about. Coming up on today's edition of Women in Money, the shit we don't talk about, our guest is one of our own Purse Strings approved professionals, Eric Blake. Eric is founder and lead financial advisor at Blake Wealth Management. As a certified financial professional who specializes in personal tax planning, we knew we needed to talk with Eric about preparing for tax time. Yes, and although we know it's only October, let's get a jump on those taxes because once we're done with the holidays, tax time will be here before we know it. Welcome, Eric, and thank you for joining us today. Why don't you jump in and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Again, my name is Eric Blake. Uh, We provide tax-efficient retirement planning and investment management to individuals and couples, uh, many of which are actually women that have at some point experienced divorce, maybe the loss of a spouse, been a financial advisor for over 23 years now, uh, started back in 1999, which maybe if you remember, was right before Y2K, the, uh, the tech bubble. Uh, I always joke that I had about three years, I had about four months of a good market, and then everything just went haywire for the next three years after that. So uh, very happy to be here and uh, look forward to the conversation. Terrific. So Thanks, Eric. And let's dive into taxes. So our goal on this podcast is to be sure that our listeners are prepped and ready for tax season. And we want to just glide into tax season with ease. So although taxes are as fun as having a mammogram, uh, we know that it's something we have to do every year. And we want to make sure our listeners are prepped and they're proactive, and they're really thinking about the best way to manage their taxes. So Eric, you shared with us that proactive tax planning gives you control. So what are some of the proactive steps that we can take now? Well, I would say that I hate taxes as well, but I love tax planning, right? So I think the first thing that is really important is to understand your numbers, your tax numbers. So most people, when they get their tax return, they just put it in the put in a in a drawer or they file it somewhere and never take it out again. But from my perspective, what you're looking for is you want to find what the important numbers are, so you can then say, well, what can I do going forward to either reduce my taxes, reduce my lifetime tax liability, and that really starts with understanding what your tax return is telling you. So as you look at your tax return, there's a few things that you want to look for. You want to start by looking at what your total income number is. Your total income, and for most of us, is going to be the very top number that you're going to see. And that's usually also just keep in mind that that's going to be after things like 401k contributions or pre-tax medical premiums. So things that have already been deducted and it's going to be on your now, it's going to be what you see on your W-2. So that's your total income. So you want to start with that. Then we say, well, what is my adjusted gross income number? And the, all these numbers are on your tax return. So they're really fairly easy to find. 
But then you look at your adjusted gross income numbers. This is going to be after certain what we would call above the line deductions. So maybe if you're making IRA contributions, things like that, your adjusted gross income would exclude that. So we'd reduce that number. Okay. Then we say, and also point out a couple of things that your adjusted gross income number is very important because it also determines whether you're eligible for certain tax uh, opportunities. So maybe if you make too much money to contribute to a Roth, your adjusted gross income or actually what's your modified adjusted gross income is what where that gets determined. So you want to be aware of what that number is uh, because it also might, if you're re receiving Medicare, it might also bump your Medicare premiums up if it's too mm -hmm. high. So you want to know what that adjusted gross income and then modified adjusted gross income, they kind of go hand in hand, but that's an important number to know. And then you go to your, eventually you get to your taxable income. And that's going to be after whether you're taking the standard deduction or maybe you're itemizing your deductions. So if you've got property taxes, maybe you have interest on your home, medical expenses, and you're able to itemize, which less people are able to do now. Uh, but once you subtract that number out, you get down to your taxable income number. And this is really important as well, because this is the one that tells me what tax bracket am I actually in? So am I in the 12% tax bracket, the 22, the 24, the 32, and so on? But that's the number that you're looking for to say, what tax bracket am I actually in? Okay, because let that, me jump in here at this point. Please. You've given us a lot of numbers, which is great. So what you're saying is, take a look at your previous year's um, Absolutely. tax documents and really say, how did I do last year? It's kind of like a game. How did I do last year? And what can I do this year to pay less taxes? Exactly. So when you're looking at your 2022 tax planning, you need a baseline. You need to right. say, well, where was I at last year? So then I know what change, what is, what's going to change this year as compared to last year? Am Got I going to make more money? Am I going to make less money? What's going to change between this year, last year and this year? So I can say, where are my opportunities? What should I be looking at to this year proactively reduce my tax liability so that I'm not waiting till April 15th and then we're just going through the same cycle. My tax person does my taxes. I get the tax return. I file it again. I didn't do anything different than I did the last year. Right. And so what we want to learn here is, okay, your game plan is, this is where I landed last year. Let's see what strategies or what activities I can put in place to help me do better or save on taxes in this Absolutely. new tax year. Okay, great. So let's dive into that then. What are some, you know, low hanging fruit, if you will, Eric, that people can look at in order to really save money on paying taxes? Well, I think the first thing, just one more number I'm gonna throw at you if that's okay. So sure. one number is your total tax. So that's the actual, the amount that you owed Uncle Sam for this year. And again, distinguish between total tax, not being what you got back or what you had to pay when you, submitted your tax return, but what did you act, what was your actual total tax liability for the year? Because then you can say, okay, if I take some of these actions, if I contribute to a traditional IRA, then I can reduce that number. And that's really what we want to focus on to say, oh, if, my, if my tax bill, my total tax for 2021 was $10,000, what could I do proactively in 2022 to reduce that number? Could Got I get it. that down from 10,000 to 8,000? Right? Yeah. So that's where we start looking at some of these strategies or opportunities is could I, if I'm contributing to my 401k, could I increase that just a little bit? So for every hundred dollars you put into my, to my 401k, if I'm in the 22% tax bracket for every hundred dollars, I'm saving myself $22 in taxes. Those are the types of things we want to start looking for. Love it. So when you say contribute more to your 401k, up to when can you contribute it? Is it by 
uh, December 31st or is that up through April? In general, when you're talking 401k or think of it as company retirement plan. So I'm working mm-hmm. for a particular company. I've got a 401k or a 403b, whatever you might have. I want to get those contributions in by December 31st. Okay, got it. And, and in so most cases, it's payroll deduction. Is your match included in that lump sum? That's a great question. No, that your match is not included. Now, there's some higher level limits that once you get to that point, you need to be aware of. But in general, your contributions are what are what you need to have in by December 31st. So for 2022, for example, the annual limit is 20,500. If you're under 50, it's 27,000 if you're over 50. And that's just your contributions. Got it. Got awesome. It. Okay, great. What's the next step? The next thing would be looking at what else could I be doing in addition to my 401k based on your income. So could I contribute to a Roth IRA? Okay. So Roth IRAs are going to be after tax. It might be, you might write a check to fund your Roth IRA, but those dollars are tax-free as compared to your 401k, which might be pre-tax. Got so it. those are, again, just additional savings vehicles that we're thinking lifetime tax liability, not just tax liability for 2022. So 401k, mm-hmm. pre-tax contributions help me reduce my current year income. Roth IRAs might help me reduce my tax on my future income. So part of this is, you know, you want to distribute your money in different ways that can help you in the future and not have them taxed today. Um, so it's different opportunities where you can kind of spread out your money, so to speak, um, and make sure you're protected for tomorrow, um, but also not have to pay Uncle Sam tax on all that money that you earned. Right. So I think of it very much like a, uh, you can call it a, t- a tax control triangle, or you might even think of like a three-leg table. So if I'm saving for retirement, I've got basically three buckets I could put those dollars in. I've got my pre-tax bucket, which is my 401k. But again, that money is going to be taxable at some point. So whether that's when I retire or when I reach required minimum distribution age, it's going to be taxable. My second leg of that table is my money that's after tax that I'm saving or I'm saving after tax, but will be tax-free at some point in the future. And then my third leg of that table is after-tax money that may be partially taxable. So I take the money and I put it into a brokerage account. I buy $10,000 of XYZ stock and that stock grows to $20,000 and I sell it. Well, I only pay tax on the $10,000 in earnings, not the $10,000 that I invested. So the key is really, do I have all three of those legs or do I have one that's a little shorter than the other? Now my table becomes very unsturdy, right? So think if you think it like that, you think about how can I make sure all three of those legs on my table are sturdy so my, when I get to retirement age, I'm not subject to whatever Uncle Sam tells me my table's sturdy. Right. And one thing we talked about in our conversation was that if you're in a lower tax bracket now, you might want to pay, you might want to make adjustments in your taxes since you're in a lower tax bracket now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So when we think about tax planning, one of the things, again, one of the key reasons for knowing what tax bracket am I in is understanding that there's a range, that tax bracket has a range. So for example, the 12% tax bracket for a single filer, the range is from $10,275 up to $41,775. So if I have $30,000 in taxable income, that gives me about $11,000, a little over $11,000 cushion or gap between where I'm at and the top of the 12% tax bracket. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say I know that next year I'm going to get a big bonus or I'm going to get some influx of income that, I, that I'm not going to have this year. I might actually want to choose to say, hey, I want to pay 
tax on some of my income at this low while I'm in this lower tax bracket to take advantage of being in the 12% tax bracket. Mm-hmm. So I might say, well, what if I do a Roth conversion? What if I take some of my pre-tax dollars now, go ahead and pay the tax on a $10,000 Roth conversion. And now that money goes from my traditional IRA to my Roth IRA and is tax-free from this point forward. Mm-hmm. So at some point it's going to be beneficial. It's going to save me some tax dollars. Let's say if I if I'm to be in a 22% tax bracket in the future, well, if I went ahead and paid the tax at 12 and I can take that out tax-free rather than the 22, I just saved myself 10% in taxes on that, on that $10,000 investment. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pay taxes now or later. The strategy is, is to really look at the overall picture to say, where am I today and what are the best moves to make year to year? Absolutely. So choosing where do I pay tax on my income as best you can. Now, sometimes we don't have control over it. But again, the only way you're going to have control is to sit down and say, let me go through some of these opportunities and strategies. Let me figure out where I'm at today. What world was I for 2021? Where am I going to be for 2022? What strategies can I implement to reduce my lifetime tax bill? Right. Which is interesting here you talk about this because I always think about when I would do my taxes, it's it's just a year to year thing, um, which you keep mentioning how it's this lifetime thing, which really makes mm-hmm. more sense when you start talking about your retirement accounts and moving some money and things like that, preparing that you'll have more money in the future, you'll be at a higher tax bracket. Um, so it's interesting thinking about it as this whole lifetime picture rather than just a year to year kind of transaction that I feel like most of us are used to doing. Well, and that's one of the things. So we, we've kind of reviewed the checklist that we utilize for our clients. And one of the key words or, or word phrases that I have on there is when doing tax planning, the primary advantage we have over the IRS is that they're looking at a single calendar year, just like what you're talking about. That's what the IRS does as well. But what we can do, we consider your entire lifetime. We look over not only the next 12 months, but over the next 60 months, next five years, 10 years, 15 years. What can we do every single year to reduce your lifetime tax liability while make sure, making sure we're keeping an eye on the current year as well? I love that. And maybe I watched too much football yesterday, but it's almost <laughs> like every year is kind of a 10-yard strategy where really, yes, year to year, you're getting 10 yards further down, down the field, but ultimately you want to get to that touchdown in a way that you have made really great decisions year to year to year. So that who are you? So that you, <laughs> so that you, you know, you have a great, you know, touchdown at the end of the game. I guess I don't know. It's we're, a strategy. We're Cowboys, we're Cowboys fans, so we're not always sure that Jerry Jones has that same mindset. <laughs> but, you know, but it's it's a you know year to year, and then over the lifetime is what I'm saying. So absolutely. Um, so, but at some point you do have to take uh, your money out, and let's talk a little bit about required minimum distributions. And th- there are some changes in that, but moreover, what's critical about this, which always shocks me, is the penalties are huge if you get this wrong. So, can you dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. So, one of the things that, that people often run into is as they're planning their retirement income. Maybe they've got Social Security, they've got a pension. So you say, hey, well, I've got this IRA or this 401k over here that I don't really need. So I'm just going to leave it there. Not thinking about, again, taking this longer term view, a longer term approach that at some point, Uncle Sam says, hey, you've got to start taking money out. I want my chunk of that. Yeah, because they want their money. (laughs) Absolutely. So the rules changed uh, back in December 2019. We had the SECURE Act that went into force which changed the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. 
So the year you turn 72 is when you have to start taking money out of your pre-tax retirement accounts. And they also just one other change that went into effect this year is that the, the tables they used to tell you how much you need to take out actually changed a little bit. They finally took in consideration these longer life expectancies. So the amount that you have to take out this year, for example, would probably be slightly less than had you turned 72 last year. Mm-hmm. But the big deal, as you said, the one of the things to keep in mind is you want to know what that number is and you want to make sure you get it out in most cases by December 31st. Because if not, there's a 50% penalty on the amount you did not take out if you missed your required distribution or even a part of your required distribution, the 50% penalty on the part you missed. That's huge. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's wild to me. So let's say if you were supposed to take out 10 grand and you didn't take that out, they're going to charge you five grand. You got it. <sighs> Yeah, so this is important. RMDs know know that. <laughs> take your money before they take it for you. <laughs> yeah, right. When that gets back to the Roth conversion idea, of saying, "Hey, if I maybe I can choose to start if I start, convert some of that money today, and I turn seventy two five years from now, that also likely means my required distribution is going to be smaller in the future as well. If mm-hmm. I'm being again proactive today and having again, taking control and not relying on Uncle Sam to dictate things for you. Love it. This has been helpful, but let's let's wrap up with the HSA accounts because um, I know there's confusion between the HSA and the FSA, but HSA can be a really great retirement type account. Let's break down some of these acronyms first before we dive in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's start with so HSA health savings account and an FSA flexible savings account. So they there's some similarities but there's some huge differences as well so in both cases for the most part they're used to pay for medical expenses so you put money in and it's going to be you know i call the hsa it's kind of the triple whammy from a tax planning and retirement planning perspective so you put money into the hsa or the health savings account and it's pre-tax so it saves you taxes today so we talked about that earlier mm-hmm. it grows tax deferred so you don't pay any taxes the money grows either mm-hmm. but the third benefit the key aspect of it is when you take money out, if you're using it for medical expenses to pay for medical expenses, it's tax-free. There really is nothing out there like it. There's nothing that gives you all three of those benefits when it comes to tax planning or retirement planning. Now, one of the key differences between a flexible savings account and a health savings account is the FSA or flexible savings account has to be utilized by the end of the year. So December Mm -hmm. 31st. Health savings accounts can be carried on into retirement. So if I'm putting it in today and I'm 55 years old, I can let that continue to grow. And oftentimes we recommend that to clients to say, hey, if you can cover your medical expenses from some other source and we can allow those HSA dollars to continue to grow tax deferred and eventually tax-free, we can still utilize those assets or utilize those dollars to pay for medical expenses in the future, but give them time to grow, take advantage of compound growth Mm. as well. Wow, that it that could be a really good tactic because you know someday in the future you will need to use those for your health. But for now, yeah, let them keep growing. Absolutely. And yeah. so for the flexible savings account, if there's money in it, you know, by you know December thirty first, do you just would you say you know you just withdraw that money and get the tax on it, and that's your year? Uh, you lose I think it. You, you don't necessarily. Yeah. So you you want to figure out some way to use. I mean, there's there's different ways. A lot of some of the changes recently. There's ways you can use that that weren't available in the past. Uh, so find a way to use those dollars so you don't lose them. So that, that would be the keys. If you've been putting off some surgery or something, a medical procedure of some kind, knock it out. Try to get it taken care of so you can use those dollars and that you don't use them or that you don't lose them. Excuse me. 
So use it or lose it on the FSA. Absolutely. Yep. Got it. Well, this has been a ton of great information about taxes, and I know we are still only skimming almost the top of it. So this is always why we say, you know, get a professional to help you out and get some of those strategies in place because... As you can see, there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of ways you can benefit yourself and not pay Uncle Sam, but um, you can also end up paying him a lot. So thank you, Eric, for this information. Um, do you have any other you know, tips, tricks, pieces of advice you want to make sure are shared today uh, for our listeners? I think the key is just knowing that there are things you can do. It's not just, a, I got my tax return done. I got it back from the CPA, the tax preparer. I stick it in the same file that I stuck all the last five years of tax returns in and I, I never look at it again. Take the tax return, understand what's there. You, again, you just need a few key numbers. You don't need to understand everything. You're not going to, I don't understand everything in the tax return sometimes, but take those key numbers. What is my, what was my gross income? What was my adjusted gross? That's a really big one. What is my adjusted gross income? What tax bracket am I in? What was my total tax? Again, don't rely on did I get money back or did I have did I have to owe money at the end of the year? Look at your total tax. That's the really the key number. If I got five thousand dollars back at the end of the year, I still owed nine thousand dollars. It didn't change that. I just got I just let Uncle Sam use my money for the last twelve months, and I didn't get the benefit from it. So be proactive. Know a few of those key numbers so you can take a proactive approach to reducing your lifetime tax liability. Awesome. This was so helpful. We all need a refresher this time of year. As we know, tax time's coming. The holidays are coming. We know soon after the holidays, we're going to be getting those uh, different forms in the mail that are sent to us. We need to collect them all in one spot and um, listen to this podcast again. So we're refreshed and um, reach out to Eric if you have any more questions. Awesome. Yeah. I think this is a, that was a great conversation. I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat and uh, hopefully we helped a few folks. We definitely did. So thank you again, Eric. Eric is one of our Purse Strings approved professionals. So you could check him out on our site, pursestrings.co. Otherwise you could reach out to our other professionals that we have on there who are happy to help you with your taxes and let's be financially fearless. Blake Wealth Management does not provide tax advice or preparation. Content here should not be construed as tax advice. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Securities offered by registered representatives through private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Blake Wealth Management, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.